You're listening to Marginalia, a podcast from New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. Marginalia is a space where the pastors and staff of New City discuss the scribbles and the margins of our weekly sermons and life together as a community. I'm Abby Murish, Director of Communications for New City, and today I am joined by Brian and Cheryl Ferry for a special episode of Marginalia to talk about their sabbatical that they returned from this summer. So welcome! Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to finally have somebody on the podcast I like. I know. <laughs> you got a tough crowd normally, so <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys had quite the adventure this summer. How long were you gone in Scotland? Two, two and a half months. Yeah, we were gone from the country for two and a half months. That is a long time to be away. So, yeah. So, let's start by talking a little bit about New City's sabbatical policy, so to speak. Brian, would you want to speak on that? Sure. This is something we inherited from our planting church, North Cincinnati, that they had their pastors, their clergy, um, after every seven years, get a three-month sabbatical, three months off for rest and renewal and recharging, um, just recognizing that the pastoral ministry is a bit of a different um, kind of career. It's, and the sabbatical is unlike a sabbatical maybe in academics where the focus is study or that sort of thing, and it really is just to recharge um, from the regular ongoing duties. So we were very fortunate from the beginning to have that policy built into the culture of our church. Yeah, and then I was thinking it was right about two years ago when you invited a few of us over to your house to talk about this grant that you were applying for. So it was, um, I have it written down. The Lilly Endowment for Clergy Renewal Programs, which is this opportunity from um, Eli Lilly and Company in Indianapolis. They have this grant program set up for pastors um, to apply for up to $50,000 per person. Yeah, they give 150 grants away every year. I mean, it's looking into it a little bit. The Lilly Foundation started, I think, with $10,000 and some shares of stock. They were a pharmaceutical family. Um, from Indiana. Most of their money stays in Indiana. They do church renewal Mm -hmm. grants, but they give away like a million and a half dollars every year with this clergy renewal Nationwide, yeah. Yeah. It can be to any pastor, any any family of churches, any tribe, you know, anybody can apply. Yeah, and so you all applied for it. And it was quite a long shot. I mean, it was one of those things that, you know, why not apply, but the chances are slim, you know, but uh, it's one of those infinitely more than you can ask or imagine things. The the fact that Brian's grant proposal was picked and um, it was really exciting just that the church was a part of the process in in writing and applying for it. Yeah, so your sabbatical was a little unique in the sense that for the Lilly grant, you had to kind of plan in advance, maybe more than you would have, I think, if you were just taking a normal sabbatical (laughs) or a more traditional. So talk about how did you come up with this idea? Well, what was your idea to go to Scotland for the summer? And then what was, how did you formulate that idea? Yeah, the grant process is is pretty interesting. It's kind of a long, you have to be way out ahead. So the proposals are due April, the year before the sabbatical happened. So for us, it was 2018 for our, taking our sabbatical in 2019. So you apply in April, and they announce the winners in August. And it's a closed grant process, which means you can't see what anybody else has submitted or written. They're not looking for very specific things. They want to know what will be restful and renewing for you. So it really could be anything. You have to do the hard work of having the conversations and figure out, like, 
what is restful and renewing. And having never done anything like this, we uh, invited some folks from the church to sit down with us um, and to be a part of the process. And we just sort of vomited up a bunch of options and we're like, this is some stuff. And then they were able to go, well, that one of your ideas was to build a house or yeah, a cottage like to or a get cabin. some land and <laughs> build like, something. And they're like, that sounds like work, not <laughs> rest. Or uh, even the RV idea to drive around the country. I don't remember. Yeah. And so some of it, you know, so to have other people sort of press back on us and go, yeah, that, that doesn't, I don't think that would be. And even you know, Scotland, like we've always wanted to go to Scotland, but that idea itself, I think our excitement was the idea of the Highlands. But the actuality of bringing three girls, you know, having the five of us in the Highlands, um, and and it's harder to get around and to, you know, easily go to the market to get food and, you know, just more walkable area like Edinburgh. Yeah, there was um, literally nothing to do in some of the small towns in the far north. And Mm -hmm. so uh, what we landed upon, our proposal, was life off of four wheels, going with this theme that when we're home, we're on four wheels going 55, 60 miles an hour often. And so this was put the car away, um, leave it, and the car battery died. We were gone so long. We came back to a dead battery on the car. Um, But to leave the car two and a half months, no car. All we could use was bike, foot, train, uh, boat, uh, airplane, everything but a car. Um, the idea was to intentionally switch gears and slow down, um, you know, the little Ferris Bueller, you know, life moves pretty fast. Sometimes if you don't slow down, you'll, you'll miss it. So that was the, that was the idea behind it. Yeah. That's great. Just, yeah, it was pretty specific. The, the budget had to, I mean, we had to be down to how much we were going to spend daily on food and, um, lodging and you know there had to be some research done with flights and all of the individual uh, purchases we would make while we were there it was a pretty comprehensive application process they want to know all those details yeah no that's a lot so tell us then a little bit about um, what your day-to-day life was like in Scotland and I'm sure when you're living abroad you might not have the routines of your normal life, you know, for a short period of time. But what were some of the staples of your weeks? And well, Brian was able to find a fantastic place right on the meadows in Edinburgh. Um, it was a flat. There were actually, what, 94 steps up. So we did get our exercise every morning and evening. And every time you, for, you know, forgot something from the store and needed to run down. Um, but it was a, a spectacular view over this, this grassy area, the meadows, which was really neat people would just go and you know hang out there to have lunch sit with friends we saw people doing slack line playing and, cricket and yeah playing cricket is it it croquet great golf and right out the window you could see edinburgh castle so it was it was beautiful very inspiring yeah yeah and, it, and we started the trip with a week in london so we sort of a vacation at the beginning a vacation at the end week in london at the beginning a week in paris at the end so the first week was like vacation mode and it was see everything do everything we only have a week in london so we have to do it all and so it was so fast paced it was one thing after another out all day you know kind of thing riding the to you know the tube everywhere um and i noticed brian walks much faster than me i spent a lot of my time just trying to keep up uh, yeah no <laughs> like, go 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 well, we and, gotta see it all part of it was at first like we were it didn't feel particularly restful because it was like we were just we had to see it all because we only had the one week and then we went to edinburgh and it was um, we moved in, 
and it was a bit like I use the the analogy of like taking a car, a manual transmission from fifth gear to first gear. That's what it felt like for me because I I do I, apparently I tend to idle pretty high, and it was you know taking from fifth to first, and the whole I felt like this, this like lurching where I I wanted to go faster. The speed, you know, it's like going from fifty five miles an hour to ten miles an hour, and I felt this like disconcerting. I slowed down too fast and there really wasn't, you know, for the best, in the best ways, work can be something to pour your time into. Um, You know, ministry is one of those things that's never done. You could work 24 seven and never do all that needs to be done. Um, But work can also be an avoidance thing, you know, where it just keeps, um, keeps other things at bay. You know, I could avoid my family. I could avoid my kids' discomfort or their emotional pain or whatever by just, oh, I've got important things to do and turn to my computer and crank something out. Whereas this was like, okay, that that's not an option. Work is not an option, so it's off the table. And so it and took it, a while to acclimate to sabbatical. Like I'm we sure. were fast-paced. We are moving at this pace that now we were on vacation, but it took us a while to get there, where to that place of rest. We were moving fast, and it was hard to slow down. Um, I was l- leaving my busy real real estate team behind me, um, where I'm always on my phone, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of busyness, both Brian and and my job are, you know, such that they're in some ways flexible, but also people may need you in the evening or the weekends. And so it was very nice just to be able to be off and slow down and have this other pace. Even, even the, the cycling, we bought bikes at the beginning of the of the summer when we got to Scotland, we purchased bikes and we, most of our days were spent cycling around. Yeah. If there was somewhere we wanted to go, we'd hop on the bikes and go. And that's, that's how we got around. You know, occasionally we would take the bus if we were going a little bit farther afield and we had trains passes so we could get on the train and go to Glasgow or, you know, go, go a little bit farther. Um, you know, we went down to Liverpool one day. And so some of these, you know, day trips, it was kind of, we got into, after a while, maybe a couple weeks, we got into, um, a habit or a pattern where we would sort of get up and take a leisurely morning, have a chance to read, um, you know, have devotional time, and then, you know, maybe pack a lunch and then go on some sort of an outing or adventure and then, you know, figure out what to do in the evening. We we did get connected to a couple of churches um, and they were incredibly hospitable to us, inviting us into community groups, um, meeting up with, you know, inviting us into their homes. And so we developed some friends um, our friend Paul Carey was there, uh, Mark and Sarah's son, and so he was really helpful in helping us meet people and providing things for us and helping us navigate. So, um, I mean, a lot of it was just exploring, you know, what sort of the adventure of the day. We'd hop on our bikes and ride out and figure out what we, we would get into. And I think we really turned a corner in the speed. Maybe we hit our, our pace um, in the middle of July when we went on a bike and boat tour from Amsterdam to Bruges. That was sort of the highlight of the trip for everybody. And I think, you know, in hindsight, if we were to do it again, I think one of the reasons that was so restful was because I wasn't in charge and Cheryl wasn't in charge. I think Brian felt a pressure, like this was it, right? This was the sabbatical. Once in a lifetime. The Eli Lilly Foundation's not going (laughs) to give us this grant again. Hurry up and and relax. Don't mess it up. Yeah. 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 And so there was a sense where he, he wanted, he wanted it to succeed. He didn't want it to fail. And he felt the pressure of being in charge and making sure the plans, I mean, even one day it rained and he's like, 
well, this day's a bust, you know? And I'm like, you didn't make it rain, you know? <laughs> so there was this pressure that if things didn't go quite right, um, you know, the whole summer was going to be a bust. And so anyway, and it we was... the bike and boat trip and it's like, hey, dad, what, what are we doing? I was like, I don't know. Go ask Hans, the captain of the boat. Yeah. What are we doing? I don't know. Go ask Marcel, the guide. And it's like, and I was able to just be with them and play. And I think that really... Mm. Um, and it was very freeing to just enjoy that time. And then after that, we were sort of on our way home at that point. But I think then sort of a little, I was a little bit more open-handed with the schedule and these sort of things. And, and Pastor Josh said something that really connected with me. He said he took a sabbatical a couple of years ago. He said he had to take a sabbatical to learn how to take a Sabbath, oh. which was really helpful. And I think that's true because, I, you know, Going from fifth gear to first gear took some time before. It's not like you can just do that every week. Mm -hmm. I didn't have access to that gear, but the sabbatical really provided access to first gear. Now, I'm not still great at resting, but this really, really helped me begin to learn that habit of like how to slow down and how to rest, how to turn off. And so I think my Sabbath keeping weekly now and my resting is much better than it ever would have been had I not had this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. In fact, I just told my real estate team, and Daniel and Jenny both go to church here at New City as well, and we decided as a team that we want to take, we each want to pick a day to have as our Sabbath. And, um, you know, that's something new. I, I, I agree. I think it coming out of this summer and having two and a half months where you really, you really don't have that time once you graduate from college, mm-hmm. um, even college frequently you have a summer job, but when you're younger, you have the summers off, you know? And so to have the summer off, um, you know, it was, yeah, it changed, it, it, it changed our pace and it gave us a new understanding of what rest is. Yeah. It was a bit of a throwback to like being a kid. It's like, mm-hmm. there's, we actually get a summer, you know, we get some time off during the summer. Yeah. And a summer where we got to be immersed in this you know, beauty. I mean, the castles and glens and bends, you know, the, the, I mean, Scotland's gorgeous, the green, everything, it rains a little bit every day. And so the blues and the greens, it's just very vibrant. And you're touring these, you know, fantastic places with so much history, you know, a thousand years of, of history. And, and there's a lot of storytelling. We, we spent some time at the Scottish Storytelling Center as well, which was neat. Um, here we are telling the story of our sabbatical, but I felt like on, uh, you know, while we we're there over the summer, it was learning of all these stories. It's such a rich culture of storytelling. So how did having this, learning this rhythm of rest and habit of rest and being surrounded by beauty, how has that shaped your day-to-day life coming home to Cincinnati? You talked a little bit about your Sabbath principle, Cheryl, and the days, but just how has this sabbatical, what other ways has this sabbatical impacted you coming home? I find myself wanting to be more present and intentional with our kids. Um, it was really nice over the summer that when they wanted to do something, um, you know, we could say yes. There wasn't anything else that was scheduled or that we had to do. Um, if they had something that they wanted to explore or create, you know, and they asked, we could say yes. If they wanted to sit next to us on the, you know, on on the transit, you know, if we were on the bus and they wanted to sit next to us or hold our hand or do something, you know, we could be there, we could be present. And so that was, that was just 
you know, coming out of a time where, you know, we're constantly busy and we could slow down and just be present for them. And I, um, that's something that I'm trying to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It did help us develop some of those patterns, being more present with one another. Um, and it, it was one of those things that in God's good providence, what a perfect age to be nine, 11 and 13. And it was not easy for all of us in some ways. And in some ways I think they were, they missed being with their friends and being at home, but they were young enough to not have summer jobs and all those things, but old enough to be on their own and responsible and self-sufficient. And, you know, they rode everywhere we rode. I mean, we figured, how many miles did we figure? You know, hundreds and hundreds of miles, 170, I I think that one week just in the, on bikes in the Netherlands and Belgium. And so there there were, that time with, with the kids was a a super precious for, particularly as we enter into these, and I was proud of them. They were, they were pretty you know? tough. Like mm-hmm. Brian would be like, okay, we're going to go on a 30 mile bike ride today. And they'd be like, oh, dad, you know, and he'd be like, well, you'll get, you'll get a soda if you do it. You know, the things they will do for, for a Coke, for a you know, treat, it's yeah. like, okay, they, you know, so they, they would ride 30 miles. He got them special padded bike shorts and, you know, they, they were tough though. So yeah, it was it was a good time to be just with them and to be present and um, just to to have that that time to be intentional about you know family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else I experimented with um, that I do you know somewhat often is I used a little devotional app called Pray as You Go that is a listening devotional app versus reading and I love reading and we should read the Bible obviously. But I find that sometimes it's helpful to use this praise you go app because it's it intentionally slows me down. I have to submit to somebody else's time frame, somebody else's speed, not my own. It you know it takes twelve minutes or whatever it is, and it's like being led through a mini liturgy versus I can just you know really quickly read through something or immediately my mind starts going to oh that'll be great and to utilize this in a worship service. You know I can so easily switch into work mode. So I did that most of the summer, um, utilizing that pray as you go. And that was really, that was really helpful, um, discipline to help even slow down my devotional time reading, not just go through it, not just check off a box, but really, you know, enjoy it. And just, uh, you know, having, we didn't have a TV in our, in our flat either. So there was no, um, real option to just, um, start avoiding by going to media um, I think once or twice we did. And that was hard for the, the kids laptop. at first. Um, eventually, though, they they would pick up the guitar and start playing, or you'd see them reading a book or wanting to play Scrabble. You know, so eventually they they got through it. But just kind of like how there was that slow start to the to vacation into getting into the rest mode, there was also this acclimating to life without screens and. And I think in many ways that retrained our appetites, Mm -hmm. you know, by weaning ourselves off of it. Well, in this case, kind of going cold turkey. I think now we have seen what could be, you know, we have no screens on school nights rule and it's like, okay, it's just not an option. And so maybe they'll pick up a guitar. I mean, this summer, that was a wonderful thing. We had a guitar that someone had loaned us and, um, and a bass guitar. And so sometimes the kids would be like, well, I'm bored. I can't watch a movie. Okay. So I'll pick up the guitar or I'll read. Um, and so it's sort of like the pace really did just slow down and it provided these other alternatives that were there all along. But sometimes with the speed and the, the flashing moving pictures, 
it's just easier to do that so than it is. Those to, are harder to things those. to yeah. choose when you have something easy like a television. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear too a little bit more about the churches you worshiped with and spent some time with um, that summer. So what, what were those like? How are they similar to New City or maybe in ex- our experiences here? And I'd also, I'm really interested in how they were different. One of the reasons I, I wanted to go somewhere um, like Edinburgh is that it's been said, you know, that the UK is, you know, 25 years ahead of us. So looking at the landscape of the church in the UK is a bit like looking into the future of where maybe the the American churches that are, you know, demographically and everything, we're about 25 years behind. And so we got to participate in two church plants. One met on Sunday morning, one met in the evening. Um, and not dissimilar from, since it, from New City in maybe where we were. I mean, they were meeting in borrowed spaces. So one was meeting in a, a church fellowship hall while their building was being renovated. They had an old schoolhouse. That's Cornerstone Church um, in the Morningside neighborhood. And that was a, a short walk from our flat, which was really fun. And that's uh, our friend Paul Carey was there. And it was uh, that's where we would go in the morning. And so that was a, a unique experience for us to going to church together as a family because I'm always up and out and here by 630 in the morning. And Cheryl's a single mom every Sunday. Um, and so just to, you know, go and stop for coffee along the way or, you know, get coffee in a scone or get some brunch and then go to church was really, really fun. That sounds so, lovely. Yeah. So that was our I mean, so fun church. that we would double dip every Sunday. We would go to the Grace Church Lath in the evening. They had a four o'clock service. And so we would do the morning service and then, you know, spend some time. We'd either ride bikes or take the bus or end up over at, at this uh, second worship service. But it was really a surreal experience to be in another country, but like we worship the same way, mm-hmm. you know, we're see some of the songs are the same. Come thou fount of every blessing, you know, the song steadfast that we sang. There's a number of, of songs that we reckon, you know, and being English an English speaking country, it was um, probably much different experience for us than, than it had we picked somewhere else. So it was even some of the ways we worshiped um, there were there were a couple community groups that sort of took us under their wing and we did potluck meals together. And one night we were over at this couple's house, the kids and, and we all singing hymns for hours. Um, so just a, a wonderful experience of even, even Mika found our, our soon to be 14 year old. Um, she was missing friends and we were able to connect with a young life leader there and she did a young life camp while we it was like a day camp kind of thing so it was really fun for her to have that experience it was one of her highlights of the summer that's needs an award for international young life yeah (laughs) Yeah. and the yeah the community was great both at um cornerstone and grace church lathe and they were both um free church church plants Mm -hmm. and um one of the things we found that was it was interesting to me just as someone in the presbyterian church and new city with we have um you know a call it like a laid back liturgy. You know, we have a liturgy, we have an order, um, but it's not super fancy or super high church. These churches were very similar, but those are, that's kind of an outlier, I guess, in the free church. The free church is like usually hymns only, a lot of times non-instrumental, uh, sermon, prayer, and that's it. Um, whereas to have liturgy smacks so much of the Church of Scotland that the free church sort of pushed against that. So historically, um, your free church would be very low liturgy, 
Um, but we felt very much at home because both these churches had a, a similar style. It really did feel like maybe in the old days at New City, you know, six, seven years ago in the school, 100 people, um, you know, one guitar and a hand percussion kind of thing. You know, it was, it was like a, it was you really know, one delightful. Of, one of the churches was even raising money for to purchase a church building um, and just brought us back to the days that New City was you know, just worshiping, yeah, worshiping yeah. in the in the cafeteria of a school and looking for a building, and um, so it's exciting to be a part of that. That's hard. To, it's hard to uh, sum it all up. You know, there's so many things that happen, and each day was just a different adventure. So and many. well, it was two and a half months, not yeah. two weeks. Right. That's a lot of living yeah. for a year. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's weird to think you spent two twelfths of a year yeah. Yeah. away. Like, yeah. Yeah, I like I like the pace and the mar- like the small markets. You know, you can go to to the fresh market to you know get get whatever you're going to have for dinner that evening, and um, yeah, the walkability of everything and the mm-hmm. history. Yeah, the you're making of, me want to go like look at tickets. Yeah, uh, <laughs> well, that's something that unfortunately our our tastes have now been uh, yes. changed. We'll where it's never like, already. I'm like, what are we going to do this summer? Oh yeah, we don't have a grant. The kids are like, can we buy plane tickets and go? And it's like, guys, that was once in a lifetime. You know, that's Lily. You know, they provided yeah, that. No, we, this summer we're going to take our camper van and drive yeah. to the middle of the woods and hang out for two weeks and, and eat beans yep. uh, over the fire or something. I don't know what we'll do. Um, no. But it was, I mean, it was many trips of a lifetime mm-hmm. all wrapped into one. And we, I mean, we really, I think, came to feel like Edinburgh is a home away from home. We mm-hmm. became, we were there long enough to feel familiar with it, to have places that we really liked and knew, oh, it's knew dreamy. our way around. I would buy a cottage there. I mean, yeah, if we could afford to go there and the frequently. S- the I mean, that is, is the place. The Isle of Skye was fantastic. Um, yeah. And Edinburgh is such a fascinating city because you have a medieval city and then you have a Victorian section and then you have a Georgian section. So you have like three eras of cities all in one. Um, and it's, I mean, we were there long enough that by the time the international festival came at the end of July and August, we were kind of like, oh, I wish these tourists would get out of our way. <laughs> so uh, maybe that was a little presumptuous. But, you know, the city... Um, population like quadruples in this month of August because of the international festival. And so we were just there for a couple of days of it. And then we got out of Dodge. Yeah. So what were some ways that you were hoping God would work on, or did you have expectations going into this of what you wanted to see at the end of it? And is that what happened or were those hopes and dreams kind of refigured while you were gone? It's really hard to not have expectations, mm-hmm. but I think I really did try to push it down and sort of receive it with open hands. I think at first I was a little white fisted, you know, um, white knuckled with it, just holding on too tight. Um, mostly because I felt like this was such a gratuitous gift from Lily that like, I don't want to squander. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime grant. One person, you can only get it once. And so I didn't want to squander it. I didn't have a ton of expectations per se. Um, but because I didn't want to, to be disappointed, I think when I finally got to the point where I was able to sort of open-handedly receive it as it was, um, in many ways it became more meaningful. I think really, you know, to to go to church together, to have some time with our kids, um, we sort of used the little line, like we spend so much time in our life now saying no, um, that this was like, 
you know, can we, yes, we just wanted to say yes to the kids, yes to whatever they wanted to do. Um, whereas, you know, a lot of times time doesn't allow it. And here we have time, you know, we don't have time. We don't have time. Now we have the time. So we wanted to do that. And I think we did that to some extent. Um, again, it was not easy. Um, you would think that it would be, oh, you've got all this time off work. I mean, there were some growing pains as we figured it out. But I think, you know, I think we'll look back on this forever. We made little photo books for the kids for Christmas um, with uh, some of the best photos of the year. So I think I'm not, I'd like to, I like to say, oh, they, they don't even know what an opportunity this was. I don't even think I knew or know what an opportunity this was. I think over time it will have even more gravitas and weight um, in our family lore. And um, so we sort of had this attitude like, yeah, God, don't let us waste this. You know, let's let's make every moment count. And it was neat to be able to just wake up and and just explore and um, every day was was something new. And so looking at life in a way of, hey, what do you have for us today, God? You know, and, you know, we're not on vacation now, but to try to look at the world that way. Now, I think we get so busy and we set so many appointments and so many things that we feel we have to do that it's hard to have that mindset of, um, you know, what does God, what does God have for me today? What, what am I get, what adventure does he have, um, that awaits? Um, how does he want me to be a part? Who does he want me to be a part of, you know, in uh, whose life can I, can I be a part of? What can I, what can I do? Um, anyway, it was, it was an adventure, you know, whether we were exploring a museum or a castle or you know some some gallery or just the great outdoors it was yeah, every day was an adventure many many once in a lifetime adventures and that was kind of one of our expectations and I think it hit that and more like we had I mean it was every day I can't believe this I can't you know just really extraordinary that plus the time with our kids and the time to connect as a family and to read and pray and get involved in the life of a church and kind of see what life is like participating in church life as a family, which um, we just, you know, again, don't really ever get to do um, mm-hmm. because church is work and it's also our church. And so there's that sort of strange tension there. But, mm-hmm. it, I mean, we just, it was just delightful. I mean, so, so many experiences. Well, and I think um, it's just easy to think of time away like that is the gift, the time mm. itself, but like that time often pays dividends in your life after. And conti- it's like a gift that keeps on giving truly. I think like, and it can continually reshape family and those stories, those memories that you have feed into today and will continue to. And I think that's always really cool how vacations or time away works. And I hope for the kids too, that long-term that they'll recognize, you know, the church can be seen oftentimes as taking a lot from our family. You know, whether it's evening meetings or, you know, Sunday mornings and, you know, weekends. We don't really have normal weekends. Uh, The church can be seen as taking a lot, where this is something that was given to us by God's grace through the generosity of his people. And hopefully the kids will see that someday. Like, yes, ministry, there are some sacrifices. Um, The church does take, ministry takes, but it also gives in ways that are unbelievably generous and mm-hmm. gratuitous you know hopefully over time they'll that'll sink in and they'll it's, realize it's that. my understanding that brian didn't actually have to write us into the grant proposal he could have 
gone off on his own. So we're very thankful that we got to go with him <laughs> Anyone on this trip to Scotland. Anyone worth their salt would have rejected that. You know, what kind of <laughs> clown would be like, I'm going to spend three or eight months away from my family? I don't know. Yeah. So thank well. you. <laughs> Aren't you glad you got to go, Cheryl? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Any final thoughts about reacclimating life post? I mean, we're, I think we're still so grateful um, for New City for providing this um, policy. Um, I can't express our gratitude towards the Lilly Foundation and the Clergy Renewal Grant um, enough. And I'm super grateful for the opportunity to develop um, capacity for that, that restful gear to be able to downshift now. Um, and I want to keep practicing that so that that rest becomes not just something that I have to wait another, what is it now? I should start counting down another six, six and a half years, years yeah. six and a half years until we can do it again. Um, but that it, it really, that sabbatical really did teach me how to have a Sabbath. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Marginalia. For show notes or for more information about New City Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at newcitycincy.org. That's newcitycincy.org. Thanks for listening.